This is some good content. Baseball fans, welcome to another episode of the NL Central Podcast. Uh, I'm Eric Roseberry of Red Reporter, uh, here tonight with Brandon Lee. Brandon, say hi. Hey, what up? And Alex Crisofoli of Viva Albertos. Hey, guys. All right, uh, we're recording on Tuesday night, so the Cubs and Cards are uh, in a game, so Brandon and Alex might be a little distracted. Uh, but before to the games that end, uh, to set the stage, the Cubs are 47-21. and 21. Cardinals are 11 and a half back at 36 and 33. Pirates are 34 and 36. Uh, the Brewers are 31 and 39. And my beloved Cincinnati Reds are 27 and 43. So uh, we're in day two of Cubs versus Cards. How has this uh, series been treating you guys so far? Eh, I mean, so the Cubs are losing right now, and they lost last night. And you know, I I feel like it's it's kind of in in that mid part of the season where I'm I'm feeling uh, Matt Trueblood and I talked about this a little bit on a on a Banish to the Pen podcast uh, uh, oh about a year ago now and it's kind of this mid part of the season that's kind of after the hype of the beginning of the season but before the All Star game and trade deadline period where uh, you know you're kind of trying hard. To Attention on baseball. Now it's much easier this year because the Cubs have been playing very well. Uh, but also, it's like there's. I'm I'm at this point in the season where you know if we drop a game here and there, I'm not gonna get too worked up about it. Of course, I of course I always want to beat the Cardinals. I also understand things like, you know, John Lackey is probably not gonna pitch to a two and a half ERA the rest of the season, and and Jason Hamill is probably not going to pitch to his two and a half ERA the rest of the season. So to see Hamill give up four runs tonight and see Lackey to give, give up three runs in six innings last night, it's not like it's, you know, they're not pitching as well as they have been over the course of the season, but it's not like they've turned into James Shields. So, you know, games like this are bound to happen and sometimes happen when the Cubs don't score 10 runs and that's okay. Yeah. And it's also uh, pretty easy to, have a carefree attitude about it when you sit 11 and a half games off. <laughs> I guess well, that's true. I guess yeah. that's true. Now, yeah, prior, to the, prior to the win last night, the Cardinals were a little bit of a slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's frustrating because they had just won uh, five in a row and swept the Pirates, and it looked like they were finally converging into the team that a lot of people thought they would be, or at least I did, in, in terms of a, a pretty good team. And then they went home for a five-game homestand against the Astros and Rangers, lost all five. It's the first time they have lost um, a homestand that involved more than uh, one series. Uh, first time they lost every game since 1983. 
wow. Uh, which seems crazy to me. Um, and, and they just looked awful. Uh, bad managing. Uh, the Cardinals have to be have to be the worst base running team in baseball. And, and that's that's probably something everyone kind of feels about their team. Uh, but I, I can't imagine a team is worse on the base pass than the Cardinals. It's, it's just so for I mean, they tried. If you were watching the game last night in the in the if that was the ninth inning, they they made two outs on the bases. And it's just frustrating because. Yeah, every time it seems like the good Cardinals are um, starting to uh, stand up and show themselves, something else, you know, goes awry. You know, for a while the pitching couldn't get on track. Now the pitching's on track, and the hitting kind of kind of regressed to average a little bit. So it's just a frustrating team. But I will say this: we we've played the Cubs pretty tough so far this year. Now, if they win yeah. today, yeah, I mean, if 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 the Cardinals win. Today they'll have a four and four record against the Cubs, um, and so if the Cubs win, they'll be uh, five and three on the season. Um, so it's not like we're we're hardly dominating them. We aren't even um, don't even have a winning record against them. But they, for the most part, other than that time uh, the Cubs thrashed us last series like twelve to one. I don't even remember what the score was. Um, they've been pretty close games. Were you uh, Brandon? Were you all giddy over the Wilson Contreras magic this week? Oh man, I was giddy over the Wilson Contreras magic, and honestly, the the Albert Alvarez too. And I, and it's it's a pretty cool feeling that the Cubs don't have to look outside the organization and make and like make deals whenever a hole comes up on the roster. Like <laughs> like they can keep calling up these, they can keep calling up prospects and have them step in right away and have them produce right away. You know, and it's. It's this weird feeling because the the Cubs have I don't think ever really operated like that. Like they've called their prospects up out of out of desperation usually to either uh, either calling them up before they're ready to fill to fill that hole or calling them up uh, to f- before they're ready to make the fans think that they're they have something down there. So for the Cubs to be in this position where they're able to call up guys like Contreras and Elmora after they called up, you know, four or five guys last year to, to contribute to the big league club. It's, it's a pretty, uh, I, I'll say this, this is uh this is the best year to be a Cubs fan uh, in my lifetime. Is Contreras the last of these guys? I mean, how many more guys are down there that are just that are uh, just sitting there waiting to be stars? Yeah, that are MLB ready. I mean, I think Contreras and Almora are kind of the the end of this stream right now. Uh, Glaber yeah. Torres is a little further away, I think, and then the pitching hasn't quite. Uh, started to produce. One of the things that Jed McLeod, the Cubs uh, farm director or scouting director, was saying before the draft this year is that uh, as as a point of uh, self-reflection or reflection on the team, it's that they haven't produced a pitcher through their farm system since they started. Like uh, a big league pitcher who is 
who they've drafted, developed, and brought up to the big leagues and had him stay up. Uh, so that's kind of... I don't know if I don't know if it's a concern because the Cubs have been able to build a very good pitching staff through free agency and trades, but you know that's that's one way the Cubs have not produced. But in terms of position players, I think I do think Contreras and Almora are kind of the last few for or the last two for this year, and then next year, you know, you might see Torres, you might see McKinney, uh, Ian Happ is probably a little a little after that. Alex, the uh, the Cardinals are doing the reverse strategy, right? Sending all their major leaguers down over the past few weeks. I think last time we talked, Colton Wong uh, was had been sent down, but he's already back up, and he's not only back up, he he actually tore it up when he went down there. He hit four home runs, um, batted uh, over 400, but he's back up now and also playing center field, which is interesting. And they just sent down Randall Grichik and, and brought up Tommy Pham. Uh, which was bittersweet uh, because Grichik got sent down because he just hasn't been he hasn't been hitting well. His his power's been okay. I think I think he's hit like eight home runs, but he's barely batting over the Mendoza line, and he just seems to have very poor pitch recognition. And people who are smarter than I am seem to think that's not something he's going to learn. You know, you either have that right now or or you don't. Um, but I'm I'm excited to have Tommy Pham up. I think he's actually the best center fielder on the team. I saw also Jeremy Hazelbaker. Uh, that story's done. He's uh, he he's back in Memphis, where he probably should be. But it was a fun story while it lasted. Um, but yeah, that ride's over. I said, were you guys as excited about Cody Reed as I was this week? Probably. Uh, I was not. I was not. Yeah. Well, since I don't have a lot to talk about, uh, yeah, Saturday was fun. So, Cody Reed was kind of the pitching prospect we were all waiting on. He may have given up two two-run homers, but other than that, he looked really good, and we're all excited. Eric, in uh, in August, uh, Fagerstrom's uh, chat today on Fangraph, someone brought up a point that they thought, I don't think it was August, I think it was someone who was asking a question, saying they thought the way the Reds were tanking was actually one of the best ways to tank, because at least um, they're playing exciting young guys and they're giving the fan base a taste of um, some of their prospects rather than a whole losing season of just losing every game, but also losing every game with a tired old roster that no one really wants to see anyway. Uh, that's interesting because I think a lot of the fan base feels like they've done the opposite. Um, oh, okay. You know what? Maybe I should find, I should find the transfer for that. So I'm not uh, putting words in the, uh, someone's mouth i thought that's kind of the point well, they started too which has been nice but uh i think everyone kind of knew they were going to get through the super two window they've got two reed was one of two pitchers who will be in the rotation post all-star break uh jose peraza is a guy that he's up now i don't know if he'll stay up but fans have been wanting to see up so these players, I don't know if they should be this bad. I mean, they're starting to get some pitchers back. Desclafani made his third start tonight and looked really good. So, I mean, there's there's pieces, but with the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Pirates all in this division, it's kind of hard knowing where this is all going to go, but we'll see. Gotcha. Brandon, were you trying to ask me a question earlier? I kind of was, but like, I don't know what to make of it. I, is, is something up with Trevor Rosenthal? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like what's up with Trevor Rosenthal? His uh his walk rate for one is 
<laughs> is, is very bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull him up right didn't, now. But... Uh, didn't Paul Swyden do an article this week where it's like one of the worst walk rates in history? He he did. Um, I I don't. I kind of skimmed it because I was at work, um, so I don't know if that was his po- one of his points. But I'm looking at right now. He's walking 17.1 percent of batters. Um, Jesus. Yeah, it, it's been really bad. And, you know, last night, that might be a blown save if that ball doesn't hit the umpire's leg. Oh, right. And Almora takes third, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah ab- absolutely. Um, by the way, that was a great throw by Molina because he just kind of picked the ball up and without – it looked like before he even had time to look at third, just whipped it over there in time. Um, I don't think people were giving, him, um, giving that play enough credit, but – yeah, he, he's just been very, very shaky, and I'm not sure Matheny's going to take him away from that role until John Mazalik trades him or or sends him down to Memphis or what happens. Um, it's because he's a ninth inning guy, Alex. Don't you know he's a ninth inning guy? That's it, and and that's that's what's so frustrating about it. I I would rather see O in there. Um, although to be fair. You know, O has pitched the eighth inning a lot, and often he's actually pitching in higher leverage excuse me, situations. So I don't know if it would make that big of a difference having him pitch the eighth versus pitching the ninth. You know, if I'm if I'm blasting Matheny for only using um, Rosenthal in the ninth, then maybe it's kind of hypocritical for me saying no, you have to have O in there. But yeah, it's he, he has he has not looked very good. Uh, I think I was listening to Will Leach's podcast today, and he seemed to suggest that Cardinals fans might be reaching their breaking point with Matheny. Are you starting to feel a little bit like that? I mean, I've felt like that for a while. He's uh, well. Let me ask you guys because you you don't really have an emotional stake in this. What do you do with a guy like Matheny who? I think it's fair, and you know, I, I wouldn't. I'm not trying to say I'm the best baseball strategist, but I think it's fair to say <laughs> neither is he. Um, but what do you do with a guy who wins the division every year? He's not going to win the division this year, but it's hard for me to say he should be fired when a, a season has yet to pass where they haven't made the postseason. At the same time, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think what I'm seeing is uh, are my eyes deceiving me. He he does really 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 silly things I, I mean i would say even in this game just in the seventh inning he had adam wainwright bat when i'm not sure he needed to and you know i would much rather there was no one on base or anything but it seemed like a good time to to pull wainwright and have a you know throw a pinch hitter up there when you especially when you know you're only getting tops two more one more inning out of out of wainwright and in fact they only got two-thirds of an inning out of him after that so I mean, what do you? I'm curious. What do you guys think? I mean, I know you don't watch as much as many Cardinal games as I do, but you read a lot of the same stuff, same same things I read. I mean, I think if there's if you're in a situation where in 2016 the Cardinals said, "Look, our our team is this is a division leading team, or this is a, div, a team that's capable of winning a division." And Mike Matheny is the sole reason for them underperforming by five games, right? Whatever. I I don't believe that necessarily, but if but I suppose one could make the case for that. Then then that's probably grounds, right? Like you know, you should be you should be closer to the Cubs, or you should be leading the Cubs. I I don't I don't know how true that would be. Like I don't know what the Cardinals' projections say, 
but I, I guess that's a case. Uh, but I mean, what do you do with the guy who's won the division the last uh, however many years? Three years? Last three years? They won last the division. Last three years, and it's with first with Matheny. They won the wild card. They won the wild card, right? Uh, I mean, there's probably something to be said about hitting a plateau, but like making the playoffs in baseball is such a is a much bigger deal than making the playoffs in basketball, right? Like, the Bulls fired Tom Thibodeau, but I don't think they should have, but they did, and it's because they hit this they hit this peak, right? And they couldn't get over it. It's hard for me to make a case for firing Matheny based on wins and losses, but I guess it depends on, uh, you know, the, the true impact of a manager over the course of a season. Well, another thing I, I think about when it comes to this is I hate the idea of, uh, of a guy getting fired, no matter who it is. Um, and I don't like the idea. Um, and I'm just thinking of anyone here. Like, I hate the idea that certain Cardinal fans think we have to make the playoffs every year. Like there's no rule that says the Cardinals have to be in the playoffs. And if the Cardinals, Oh, there's make- not. <laughs> <laughs> I was under the impression that there was. Well, and so are a lot of our fans, and and I think that's that drives a lot of it in that, well, if we don't make the playoffs, then that means we have to fire the manager. Like, no, that's not the reason to fire the manager. The reason you fire the manager is because of every bonehead decision he makes throughout the season. Yeah, I, I guess look at the Cubs. I mean, this is a bit of a different situation, but when the Cubs, Cubs let go of Rick Renteria because they had Madden out there. Um, it made sense only in that context. Like there would be no, there would have been no other reason to let go of Renteria. And I kind of feel the same way about Matheny, even though I don't think he's a very good manager. But I don't see any reason to fire him unless you have a very good Plan B waiting for you. Is there a is there a Plan B, Cardinals fans? Talk about like is there a former player or someone they seem to be on the bandwagon for? No, not not a consensus guy. There's not the Ozzy Smith movement. No, not at all. Is is Matheny's chair even wobbly? Like, is this is this a discussion that happens only among Cardinal fans, or you know, are yeah, they I, are is the organization has this even crossed their mind? So I, I think it's more of a Twitter thing. I know, and this is from like a year ago, but I remember on a. Uh, best podcast in uh, in baseball with back when Bernie Miklas was still on the show. Derek Gould, the beat writer for the STL Post Dispatch, pretty much said his job security was very firmly intact. Um, and, and and it was a very similar situation last year, even though you know they were in first place. Because you know whether you're in first place or third place, a, a bad manager is going to make bad decisions. You know. And so it was very, you know, very similar similar thing last year. He was making some questionable questionable calls, and people were upset about it. And Derek Gold's like, if you think he's being fired, you have no idea um, what's going on with this organization. Like his his job security is firmly intact. And you know, maybe uh, how much stock to put in that? Who knows? Because I don't think John Rosale is the type who's going to leak to a beat reporter. Oh yeah, like you know, we're thinking of firing this guy. Like that would not seem to be a very prudent thing to do but as far as i can tell he's right now in no danger of being fired you can have brian price (laughs) 
Well, what about Brian Price? How's how's uh, how's his job security? And after you answer that, I want to ask a, a question about the Pirates. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I think everyone kind of assumes he is uh, there. Uh, he's he's doing the Freddie Gonzalez, just keep this warm until we have a team to contend again. Uh, I mean, the impression everyone had of him, he was a great pitching coach for several years. People are excited about him. Uh, the transition to manager has not gone as hoped as evidenced by last season's famous profanity-laced tirade. But uh, uh, I love a good profanity-laced tirade. <laughs> I think uh, everybody's just uh, assuming he won't be the long-term fit, so we'll see. But Pirates. Yes. Are they bad? So the, pir- the Pirates are – oh, man. I don't know, man. I was just about to say they're – the Pirates are only three games up on the Brewers right now. And they're about to – they're getting slacked by the Giants. Like, they're about to lose. It's 15-3 to three right now in the top of the ninth. Huh. But it's it's bad. It's – oh, it's it's bad. And they got swept by the Cubs this weekend. Like, I don't know. I don't know if they're bad. I mean, I think it's too early to say if they're bad. Why? Like, I, th- I think there's... They started a Garrett Cole trade rumors and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant to say the Pirates are bad. You know, I think they're, they're definitely not playing well. Maybe it's because I'm not prone to to strong takes and... I don't. I don't want to write off the pirates. Maybe it's like a a degree of superstition in me. Um, but you know, they're three and a half back of a of a wild card spot, about to be four back of a wild card spot. And I mean, you know, that's that's not insurmountable, and that's what they've done each of the last three years. So, yeah. Brandon, I was telling Alex off the air. Uh, Joe Sheehan wrote about the pirates this week. And suggested that uh, within the next couple of years, their best place probably to trade Andrew McCutcheon instead of re- instead of re-signing him. Well, and his reason being, you've got Marte and Wright cost controlled uh, or left. You got Polanco and Wright cost controlled. Uh, I think McCutcheon will be 31, 32 when the deal's up. They've got a apparently a stud center fielder in AAA, Austin Meadows. Uh, and I mean, his his basic argument was Pittsburgh's not the kind of team that can overpay for a player's post-peak performance, which uh, podcast regular Rob Main suggested the Reds might have done with Joey Votto, and that's kind of the, the fear all the Pirates fans have. So uh, definitely something to watch in the next couple of years. Would you be all right with, uh, if you're a Pirates fan, pulling the plug on McCutcheon? It's, I, I guess it's, I guess it's a, one of the harsh realities of the market, right? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time a – the, the Pirates trade a really good player before they become more expensive. It's just a McCutcheon. It's just a McCutcheon. He signed the first deal, right? right? And a lot of guys, and they move, they move on from a lot of guys before they sign that first deal. But he signed the first extension, and I think that's why there is this that hesitation, right? Like, if he, if he had never signed the, the first extension, then then maybe it's it's easier to say to to remove emotions from it and say, all right, let's move McCutcheon for what we can get. But I mean he's not even having a very good year this year. But I know Sheehan was saying within the next couple of years, right? Well and I mean his I mean he he's obviously more than a speed guy, but I know that's been a big part of his game and you know, 
projecting that out post early 30s is probably not a great bet for a team like them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to. I know, Alex, you were saying that'd be a, a hard call for you to make as a Pirates fan. I. I would find that a tough pill to swallow if I was a Cardinals fan. He seems like he means a lot to that organization. Yeah. Even if I knew it was a smart move, I could imagine if I was a Pirates fan having a very strong connection to him. And, 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 and you know, I'm not – it's, it's hard sometimes, even when you know it's the right thing to do, to, to part ways with guys like that. There's a lot of goodwill there, you know? Yeah. There is. Are you are you are you watching the game right now, Brandon? I'm yeah, not. I've okay. I've I've got I've got game day up in the corner of okay. my eye. Um, Seagrass just got a double play to get out of the eighth inning, so we're going on to the ninth. I I have a question about Wrigley. Okay. Wrigley's probably my favorite baseball stadium. I especially like. Uh, I know the thing about Wrigley is day games. That's what it's known for. But I just love night games at Wrigley, especially on TV. It looks awesome. Um. And I, I've never even been bothered by any of the advertisements. In fact, I used to love the old Budweiser on the roof thing. Oh, the one know, across I, the street. Yeah, I know there's been several incarnations since that, um, but I always think of the Budweiser. But what is um, – one, I want to know what this is. I feel silly. I don't know what this is because I used to live in Chicago. But what is Nuveen? <laughs> N-U-V-E-E-N. Is that something I should know? Yo, like – Nuveen, okay. Full disclosure, I have no idea what Nuveen is, right? I I know that the that they're referred to often on the radio as Nuveen Investments, and I can okay. I, I just Hold looked on. it up. It is a, <laughs> it's Nuveen Investments. It's a Chicago-based company in the asset management industry, founded in Chicago in 1898. I can't believe I've never heard of it. That so far, that big sign in left field, that's my only um, complaint with any of the Wrigley renovations um, in the last year. Everything else has been awesome, but that sign, no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that sign. That's all. Man, look, no, I mean, if someone's willing to give them the money, I'm sure they're willing to take it. <laughs> right, as as all baseball teams are, and it's, sure. it's behind the plate too. I see it's it's near the Cardinals dugout. Oh yeah, I think it's it's in a couple places in the park. Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed this this sign, Eric? I haven't. I'm blacked out from the Cubs, so. Oh okay. But I can watch all the Cardinals I want. <laughs> you know, tales of tales of living in living in the blackout. Hey, hey guys, how about the finals? Let's yeah, let's end on this. <laughs> Uh, that was, I, I, I know it's a hot take, but that's one of the best basketball games I've ever seen. I don't think that's a hot take. It was great. Well, you, uh, you've had, you've had two days to let it settle. And so it's, so it's, it's not hot and I think it's totally reasonable. I've watched the LeBron block a thousand times. That, that block was awesome. One of the, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's going to be one of, the, you know, when you see a montage, you see like the Jordan switch hands, you know, things like that. I think that, that that'll that belong in a montage like that, you know, before like they get ready to start some NBA finals game in the future. Um, I want to talk a bit about uh, Steph Curry. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to 
not not have a very good game. I think most people would agree that was not his best game. But you can't be throwing a behind-the-back pass out of bounds at that point in a game seven. I mean, you just can't, right? Isn't that, that isn't was that one of the such a bad pass? Isn't that one of the things about the Warriors? Like when when things aren't going well, even during individual games. Uh, last season, and I, I mean, they only lost nine games this season, so it's not like, or in the regular season, so it's not like there's a large sample here. But, you know, you see the amazing uh, shots Steph Curry takes from like seven feet behind the three point line that would normally be ridiculous, right? And some, the thing is, sometimes he'll heave up a shot like that when, uh, you know, when they're not doing well, and sometimes he'll throw the behind the back pass when they're not doing well, and it's not, uh, you know, and when it doesn't, work and they're losing then like the ridiculousness of attempting it is magnified right but when they're going well and everything is in flow and it works then you're like wow this is amazing basketball right but no i i I hear you there but here's my thing it's not like they were losing by 20 when he did that this Mm. was a they it, this was like a, a one-point game with four and a half minutes left, and he, he not only misses his target, misses Clay Thompson cutting to the corner, he doesn't even come – I mean, it was just a really, really ill-advised um, – and trust I'm not bashing Steph Curry. He, he's awesome. Um, and I'm sure he's the first – he more than anyone wishes he could have that play back. But I, I just – the sheer cockiness of that play, to do that in a, ga- a game that means everything, Again, it means the entire season, it's tied or whatever the score was. And it just seems, uh, I just, it almost offended me. <laughs> did did the did the Warriors turn heel, like, between games five and seven? I was, I was telling Alex before, I was rooting for the Warriors up through, like, halfway through game six, and then it completely flipped for the rest of the series. I think it was I had had enough of Draymond, and when he was like five for five for three in Game Seven, and I thought he was going to single handedly win the game, I didn't. I wasn't prepared to handle post game Draymond after a game like that. But uh, yeah, it was it was a quick slide from the darlings to what they became. Uh, did uh, Brandon? Did Chicago celebrate the loss vigorously? <laughs> you know, it's it's so weird. I. I mentioned this on uh, on on Twitter, and Alex responded to me. But like the the morning the morning after the finals, my whole my whole timeline was basically Warriors shade. Like it was it was all like okay, haha, you lost. Bulls are better, right? And I'm yeah, I'm that... I'm and it bull the bull the Bulls fan base basically turned into the 1972 Dolphins like uh rooting for the team that that could even make an outside case that they're better and hoping that they lose but but it's weird because I think if LeBron had lost the the LeBron versus Jordan shade would have been just as strong the next morning so so really no matter what Bulls fans would have, you know, been hating on someone. Eric, but, uh, I have a comment on that real quick. But um, 
Eric, your your question, I kind of turned on the Warriors. I guess this is Brandon's question. I kind of turned on the Warriors. Um, I, I don't say turned on them, um, but after the in the Thunder series with the Steve Adams uh, oh, play, yeah. um, like that was just too much. Like that looked so bad. Um, but I also feel I, I'm almost getting tired of hearing about like heel turn and because if I, I think it's a big thing, especially with the like Twitter and stuff, is like no one appreciates great teams anymore. It's like that you can't wait to hate them instead and watch them fail instead of appreciate what they're actually doing. Um, I, and maybe I was living in a bubble, but I feel, you know, pre, pre Twitter, pre all that stuff, like it seemed like the Bulls, everyone loved them. At least at first, um, I'm sure by the end people were saying they did. I don't, I don't ever remember like any hate on like the '92 Bulls or the '93 Bulls. Like they were so universally popular, um, and now I don't think that's even possible anymore. No matter what the team is, it's just so easy to just hate the really good team. And you know, I, I get that it's kind of fun to cheer for the underdog, but it's also kind of unfortunate. Unfortunate to cheer for the underdog, or no? no it's un- to, it's cheer, to cheer to against hate. the favorite. To just not necessarily cheer against them, but just the hate. Mm. The like, uh, I I want these people to fail so badly. Um, instead of appreciating, like, wow, like look at what this team is doing. And I'm not immune from this. I I was open openly wanting the Warriors to lose, partly because I I am a Bulls fan, and I. Like exactly what Brandon was talking about. Like I'm that guy. Like I won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, like, I don't know. Like, but that doesn't mean I, I would have been like seriously upset if the Warriors won or mad at the Warriors or not, wasn't appreciating how awesome they were. Right. And I think, I think, I think if it, if it had gone the other way, I would have woken up the next morning and, been upset at Bulls fans for doing the same thing to LeBron, right? Like doing the and not being able to appreciate that the man almost single-handedly dragged his team to a game 7, you know? Like it's yeah. And you know, it's 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 weird. It's weird. Fandom fandom is weird, you know? Like I'm not going to like I'm not going to slag off you know, people for being fans, like how they want to be fans, I guess. But I don't know. I kind of think they're doing it wrong. Well, speaking of fandom, I'm right now watching Rosenthal pitch in the bottom of the ninth, one out, man on first. He he doesn't seem to have his command very well right here. Although Almora just swung out a ball and almost hit him um, on the second pitch of the at bat. God, I'm seeing I'm seeing that now on the pitch by pitch. Jesus, it's like the the little the little circle is touching the the batter's arm. He fell down. Well, so well well. So if like if the Cubs went on a walk off here, am I not allowed to react because I'll give it away? No, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> and then that people won't hear this until tomorrow. That's true. Oh God. We'll just silently let Alex narrate these final. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what are What are you guys drinking tonight? Uh, I'm drinking water. Decaf coffee. 
This is a much less exciting podcast than the last one. Uh, yeah. No more fancy wine. I had a I had port this week a lot. I'm a big port fan. What's port? It is uh it's from Portugal. Hence okay. that. Oh Portugal. Yeah, I get it. Uh it is wine that's been aged with brandy. So it's like a real sweet dessert type wine. But it also really kicks up the, the alcohol with the brandy. So give it a shot. So um, my my in-laws were in town this past weekend also with my nephew. And they brought him in town because he wanted to see – he's really into pandas. And he wanted to see the pandas at the National Zoo. Okay. So we got up early Saturday morning and took him to the zoo. And first went to the panda exhibit because it gets super crowded. So you want to hit that early. And, you know, he loved it and everything, was super into it. And then he wanted to immediately go home. He didn't want to see any other animal. Like, I'd be like, dude, look, there's an elephant. He's like, I don't care. I want to just go home. Come on. Why are we still here? Hey, man, he wants to see the pandas. I know. I was like, but there's still, like, lions and tigers, all these other things. And he was wanted nothing but, uh, (laughs) see, nothing but the pandas. Hey, man. You know what? He knows what he wants. Yeah, yeah. And he went and saw it. He's not into the the riffraff of the zoo. Like, <laughs> nope. Don't don't even care. I had I was on a mission, and that mission was accomplished. So Rosenthal has a three zero count on Javier Baez right now. Oh my god! Uh, there's a man on first, two outs. Um, ooh, Baez swung on a three zero pitch. It was a strike though. What's the score? Uh, four three Cardinals, two outs, bottom of the nine, three one count on Baez. Oh, this is dramatic. <laughs> I feel like we have to stick around for the end of this, though. First pitch, I'll, I'll give you that. The crowd is into it. Everyone's standing. Rosenthal just missed outside. This is terrible. I can't. <laughs> he he does not have it. Um, Molina just walked out the mound trying to get it. He's talking a little bit. Oh man! I mean, if any if anyone can calm him down, it's it's Yadi. Yadi has the magic touch. Oh, his don't you know? I think yeah. you all have. I've been watching this Wilson Contreras fellow and all uh, how uh, animated he is. And I read that he also uh, grew up worshiping Yadi. So I think you, Brandon, you're gonna have a young Yadi Molina on your hands. Oh, oh. nice. Okay. Uh, ball game. Oh yeah. Yeah, grounder to short. Uh, wow, that was that was. See, Yadi Yadi willed it to happen. He went out there and he said, "Look, you're gonna you're gonna give up a ground ball right here, and 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 the fielder will be standing right in an advantageous spot." And just like that, the Cardinals are only ten and a half back. No, ten and a half. That yeah. is that is shouting amazing. distance. That is shouting distance. Well, Cardinals are. Uh, Ooh, how close to that, that wild card? Are we on wild card watch yet? When is when is when can wild card watch start? I think wild card watch should begin anytime after the All Star break. That's what All Star break. Okay, yeah. then never mind. Then then nobody cares. But no, but I I do care. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> um, they, are, <laughs> they are a half game out of the wild card. They're a half game out of the wild card. Okay. As of right now, I don't know what the Mets are doing. 
This feels like an appropriate place to end this. Sounds good, guys. All right. Yeah. Uh, while we wrap up, so the Cardinals just won. Hey, the Reds won tonight. Everybody's happy. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Uh, Brandon, if you want to say bye, anything you want to plug? Uh, hey, I'm uh, I'm on Banished to the Pen sometimes. I'm in the Effectively Wild Facebook group. I'm on Twitter at Blee Internets, B-L-E Internets. Alex? Uh, on Twitter, AlexCard79. That's all. Okay. And again, I'm Eric Roseberry. Uh, on Twitter, at Eric D. Roseberry. Uh, and you can read my stuff over at Red Reporter. We will see you guys next week.